Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to a day of prayer in our morning Bible study. Let's all bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can just come before you and in communion and fellowship with you and with each other, Lord. We thank you that you are God and you're in control of all things. We thank you for your Holy Spirit to, to lead us, to teach us you, who you are and who you truly desire to be in our life. So, Lord, we welcome you in that you can teach us more about you, your nature, your character, and we can apply that to our life. So, Lord, we thank you, give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name of Jesus, and allow you to have your way in this place today. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are at 1 Samuel chapter 18. Who would like to begin reading. We're going to read through verse 16. I will. Okay. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his rope that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul sent him, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the woman had come out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the woman sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I opened David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. There's a lot in there, but uh, mm -hmm. we'll start with what the Holy Spirit revealed to you for. Mm. 
So what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? What stood out to you? Actually, stood out to me was verse 10 when it's saying that the distressing spirit, which we know can't, didn't come from the Lord, and he started prophesying. Okay. I think. Was he talking, was it talking about Saul or David? Saul was Saul prophesying. Saul was prophesying. Saul was prophesying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your question? Or observation. Yes. In all the previous chapters, when every person prophesied, it was always from the Lord. But you can see here, it's not from the Lord, it's from the enemy. So I find it kind of weird that he started prophesying. Well, it's a complicated topic of discussion, in my opinion. Because it's, it's just like the same people, like seers, that go and try to conjure up a spirit. It's the same thing. You mean like um, a medium or a psychic yes. kind of deal? Yes, they're not operating mm -hmm. by the Lord, but they obviously are using the devil to mm -hmm. do those things. Mm -hmm. It's the same with Saul prophesying. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? Anything else? I know. By any, I mean on this this topic, we're not moving. Excuse me, we're not moving forward just yet. Anyone have, else right. have any other comments? How Saul was prophesying? Mm-hmm. Well, my comment was like just one, of, like a, of that is like how it was, I found it ironic and funny how Saul was saying, what more could David have except for the kingdom? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what the Lord had given him. One more time, what? what? Um... How Saul was saying, what more can David take from him? He can have everything mm. but the kingdom. But that's exactly what the Lord gave him. And I think deep within himself, Saul knew that, that he was the next king. Mm -hmm. oh. And I, I feel like it kind of goes to what happened the next day. And also, I don't know that he was, Saul was prophesying in the sense that we would equate prophesying, but more so muttering or planning, I guess. Is it planning? Grumbling. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, a hatch and a plot. Okay. Well, you kind of see him plotting, right? Yes, why else do you Clearly trying to position, trying to position uh, David elsewhere or prevent, right, put, put things in and play and practice that would prevent David from taking over the kingdom. Yep. Well, Samuel had already said, God has torn the kingdom from your hand and given it to another who's I better than you and um, made that clear. And then Saul stopped coming, um, Samuel stopped coming to see Saul. So I'm sure he's thinking over all those things because just as easily, just like God ordained and called Saul and anointed him and all those things, I'm sure he's thinking like, hmm. Samuel's probably done this, you know, he's, he's done this with someone else and God has gone on and, you know, when God establishes something, it is what it is. You can't stop it. But, you know, the enemy always tries to. But um, I'm sure his, his mind was probably going crazy um, trying to figure out. And then as things started to happen for David, here he has 
nobody. And you can tell the spirit of the Lord and the presence of God is with him. And not only in the, the acts of valor, as in killing Goliath mm-hmm. and being a champion for the uh, the things of God, and the people are like, we, we love him. But now all the people are going, that's our guy, that's our guy. The people are behind him. And then he's Support. wised. They're, he's uniting the kingdom. All right? Yes. The, the same thing that the Lord was doing with him for Saul until Saul chose to do things his own way, all right, which prevented, if you will, the Lord from doing that in Saul's life for, for that kingdom. He is doing with and through David. Prior to, excuse me, prior to David even having the position. Well, in the natural. He in the natural, yes. The position he was in already, the yes. I, I, nobody could have stopped that. Thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the other word deal, right? And it says this multiple times in, the, in what we just wrote, uh, read, right? Uh, so, so verse 5, we'll start there. Where David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. Mm-hmm. The behaving wisely part is key, right? Because he was, or uh, we'll say in, in the grand scheme of things, what we consider a good employee, a good, right? He was there to serve. Mm-hmm. He didn't go seek his own. He was there completely to support Saul and his kingship, mm-hmm. his yes. kingdom. Now, yes, the Lord arranged blessings and benefits and recognition and all those things. He made it a distinguishable difference. But mm-hmm. the fact that it says, was it two, three times in here? It says that he behaved wisely. Mm-hmm. Yes. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. So also with wisdom, right, we've got to we've got to look at a couple of things, right, and it'll answer your question too on on prophecy, all right, and it's all prophesying. So James says this. Sorry, uh, let me get there. Let me get there real quick. James chapter three. Starting in verse 13, I'll read verse 13 through 18, uh, but we will we'll recognize something in here, right? Because this, this applies to, to Saul, I mean, it applies to all of us, but we're looking at, at Saul and the prophetic thing, right? So verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You see that played out with David, right? Yes. It was always said that he was wise. Look at his actions. It was always in support of Saul. Just in that, that small section of scripture that we were looking at, right? But then it continues. And in verse 14 says, But if you have bitter envy... And self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So, in that, 
How was Saul acting? Bitter envy, self-seeking. All those things are right there. Okay. So he could prophesy, but right? But it wasn't prophecy in the sense of, uh, yes, he was speaking of future things, if you will, um, as in David having the kingdom. But there's a similarity here, right? We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right? In the garden... The serpent also prophesies. He says, um, this is chapter Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5. Right? The serpent said to the woman, and this is with uh, eating or touching the tree of life, right? It's what, he, it's what woman or Eve. Yes, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Excuse mm -hmm. me. He says, you will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this goes to the, the plan of salvation and all that, right? But they, did, they didn't die physically yet. It actually set death in motion, though, it's because exactly. they weren't going to die. It set natural death in motion. So it wasn't like an instantaneous death. But Correct. It, we, we see later on in Scripture that it says death through one entered the world entered into uh, into existence basically for all things and i'm paraphrasing but through one man's decision exactly. death had an opportunity to enter into mankind and um humanity you know whatever your preference is on that word but entered into everyone coming and actually the whole earth because now once he did that the earth began to groan and travail and have all these issues because Death was allowed to come in through sin. So it wasn't an instantaneous, but it sure came exactly. in. They did die. So the whole thing there was they wanted to be like God, not recognizing the fact that they already were like God. They were made in his image. And he his had blessed likeness. them, exactly his likeness. He had blessed them, bestowed them, or upon them every good and perfect thing. Uh, they didn't have to till the ground. They didn't have to do any of those things. They had everything that they needed and then some. And you also see, you remember... You have, um, well, you have this here with Saul as well, right? Saul already had the kingdom. He'd already been given every good and perfect thing, but his choice to not be obedient to the Lord, just like here with Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. now caused them to be afraid, caused them to be removed. Yes. Right? And, and that is the exact thing that Saul is now concerned with. Even though it had already been said to him by the Lord, he's taken the kingdom from him and given it to another. Now he, Saul was doing everything in his own power to attempt to prevent that. But there's no wisdom and counsel against the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And even in what we were reading in James, verses 17 and 18 make the distinguishable difference. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, uh, without hypocrisy, now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, yes, David was a man of war, clearly, right? Yes. Uh, so some of the people were rejoicing. But he still lived to make peace, to bring peace about for the kingdom and for the people of Israel, that they could live in peace. Mm -hmm. Enemies arise. That, you know what I mean? That's 
people want to take over what you have or what they perceive that you have. Yes. That is a, a natural humanistic behavior. Okay, well, the Lord gave us power and authority, right? We talked about this yesterday, and sometimes we just need to stand. Yes. We need to defeat the enemy and take back what they have attempted to take from us, right? I don't mean this necessarily with people, but the spiritual things behind it. Does that make sense? Yes. Any questions on that? Mm-hmm. So David wasn't angry. He no. wasn't going around looking to pick fights. He wasn't a fight starter. So him being a man of war didn't mean he was angry and looking to fight all the time. That meant he could fight and do it well. And if the need arises, he's willing to do so. But generally speaking, he was kind and gentle, right? Humble, because God said he's a man after his own heart. Right. It also doesn't say how there was any retaliation after he had to escape from Saul twice, right? In the later coming. Oh, I didn't say that yet. Oh. Sorry. No, no. Was I ahead of the like game? this, where he pinned him to the wall and whatnot. I thought they'd later on. Oh, yes. He didn't retaliate. Right, but even in this, right, you have so, you have someone, whether king or otherwise, tried to pin him to the wall with the spear twice, and David's not. I'm sure he could have removed his head uh, if sure. he wanted to act in such a way, but he honored God. He honored the that Lord. That wasn't even in his heart and his mind to do that. Exactly. And the Lord's people, who the Lord had put in place, right? Which is, a, if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, it's one of the characteristics of love, right? Love suffers long and is kind and does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Hmm. And love never fails. Regardless of what David was going through, he didn't he exhibited all those characteristics that we just read. Why? Why was there such a difference? Why was someone who was not the king yet, as in, in the natural position, right, exhibiting all those characteristics, but someone who was, as in Saul, did have the position, was sitting in the, the seat on the throne, as it were, not exhibiting those characteristics? Mm, she didn't know the Lord? Well, we don't know that, but he didn't. He obviously wasn't close with the Lord and didn't love his neighbors. You're talking about Saul? Yes. Okay. It's part of it. Anyone else? Well, the anointing to do the job was gone. Yes. He couldn't do it in his flesh. But why was it gone? Because he's obedience. He chose, exactly, disobedience. He chose to be in opposition to the Lord. Well, you can't be in opposition to the Lord, but then expect to display the Lord's nature, his character, right? Characteristics that are a part of the Lord. But what everything he was displaying was at the core who he really was, right? Living out of the flesh. In your flesh dwells no good thing. In our flesh, there's nothing good. So anything 
anything that is displayed in us that is good and reflects righteousness can only come from the Lord because without him, we're nothing. Without him, all that's left is a sin nature. All that's left is the not good things. So you see the, you see bitter envy, self-seeking, boasting, lying against the truth, all of those things Saul is demonstrating, right, that we saw in James chapter 3, verses 13. Um, and I'm sorry, through 13. 18, yes. Yeah, 13 through 18. But it says, where do those things come from? Uh-huh. Well, if, if, if this, then that. Let's, let's do a little logical reasoning. Yes. If this, then that. If bitter envy, self-seeking, boasting, lying against the truth are fruit that are being manifest, then then this is coming from what? The devil. Demonic influence, whether it's oppression or whatnot. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So if we can see here, these fruit are evidence that earthly, sensual, and demonic work is happening, then if we see those happening in Saul, we can further confirm that this is not a spirit of God. Yes. Right? Because God cannot produce evil works. He cannot produce evil fruit. Right? We, we've already seen a tree can't be both. It's evil. It's either evil or it's good. It can't be a little, little bit, a little bit. And the water can only, it can't be salty spring and a, a fresh water spring. You can't have both. Right? And God yes. is only good. He's not a man that he should lie. So we see the evidence that Saul is not operating by the Spirit of God. So likewise, the, the power, if you will, which means skill and ability to operate as king only come from the presence of the Lord, which now he's probably going, you know, his eyes are probably biggest saucers. Like, wait a minute, this man is operating like a king and I can't do it to save my life. Despite his best efforts, he cannot operate in a way that is um, majestic or kingly. But here David is, they know they found him in a field somewhere. But here he is displaying all these attributes that are very kingly. He's wise and very wisely. They said he behaved wisely. And then later, like the next verse said, very wisely. And everybody loved him. And like you said, sweetheart, the kingdoms are uniting to go, David, we All the things that should rightfully be wow. to the... They rightfully belong to the king. Yes. So, I bet his eyes are twice as big, going, mm, this is the one you picked. Because here's all the writings on the wall, if you will. The spirit of the Lord is at work. He's moving. He's developing and he's cultivating. It's only a matter of time before Saul is ousted, and I'm sure he knows that. He yes. doesn't know what the day is or the moment that it's going to happen, but he's already seen this man is acting God has made him a king, and you can't deny it. Yes, and even Jonathan. Like, Here, David, you can have all my stuff. So that's, that's, so that's how it starts, and I wanted to cover that as well. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, um, But how do you for understand the relationship with Saul and David? Saul that's and David? I'm, sorry, David and Jonathan. Okay. How do you understand their relationship? Well, 
I mean, so it says that they are. Uh, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. How do you how do you understand that? Well, so like in the previous chapter, where it said that was talking about how Jonathan and his other were fighting the Philistines, and. Okay. And they went up on the hill and said, if the Lord, we're just going to expose ourselves and let the Lord do what the Lord's going to do? Yes. Okay. And how that he had, he had a relationship with the Lord and how David also had the relationship with the Lord. I think that affected how they... Interacted with each other. Okay. Anyone else? There was two scriptures I wanted to bring up that goes with promises. First one was, I don't have no clue what that one is, but where it was, but it was two cannot walk together, at least they agree. So okay. you can obviously see that they both had faith in the Lord. So David couldn't really walk with Saul because he was in disobedience. He couldn't have that same relationship, but Jonathan was walking in it, so he could. And the other one's in Matthew, who was talking, it was Matthew 13. Yes, so he was talking about love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. You also see him, he's also demonstrating characteristics that the Lord said is needed. He's not selfish. He was loving David as he loved his own soul. Meaning he was willing to lay down his life for David's. Mm -hmm. The first scripture you were talking about is Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Mm -hmm. Anyone else have anything else you want to comment or share? Yes. Because both those answers are, are definitely correct. It is the fact that they could see and, and or sense each other's desire to be pleasing to the Lord, to let the Lord rule in their lives and every aspect of it. It's a, a total faith and dependency and trust in the Lord and what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. yes. So I don't want to say that that's rare. It shouldn't be rare. However, everybody can, can see or sense or you can tell when the intensity of that, right? Or we'll just talk about a natural experience, right? Whether it's warfare or whatever, trial struggles, when you, when two individuals come together and have a certain intensity about themselves, and, and by that I mean in their experiences and how they feel about a certain thing right more so it should be about the lord absolutely first and foremost and in this clearly they both had that same i'll say intensity or desire to be pleasing to the lord so that was the foundation yes. for their relationship but then yes jonathan is the son of the king and welcomed him in like his own like he would want to be welcomed in or treated or right like this, this shepherd boy, 
right? Who Jonathan didn't know that he was anointed to be king. But he just took him and welcomed him in. Yes. There, there was no, well, I'm different, I'm better than you because I'm the king's son, or, right? There wasn't, there was none of that. He just welcomed him in and actually even blessed him. Mm-hmm. Like with his own clothes and robes and, you know, like, hey, you can have this and then put this on you. And, right, there's a, not just welcoming him, but he definitely went above and beyond. Yeah. Here's my armor, you, you can have this. I mean, hmm. Right, just gave him things that he would need. So again, not that it was, yes, Jonathan gave those things, but clearly it came from the Lord. The Lord supplies all our needs. So he knew he was going to need those things. Yes. Whether it's at the bare minimum to just be presentable in the kingdom. Right, there's, there's a vast difference in how someone dresses if they're going to be out in the field with sheep and how they're going to be sitting in the, in the king's court. But also, do you guys remember what was promised to the man that mm-hmm. slayed Goliath? Yes. That that rid Israel from this this trouble. We're going to cover that right after we read the next section. Oh, okay. Well, but you can you can give us the the preview now. So I'm just going to say this part of it. Jonathan had already had a habit of kind of fixing his dad's mistakes. Yes. Something that he said he would do that he should have done or he's supposed to do but did not do, Jonathan had, had already started the habit of coming in and kind of making things right. He was David was already promised riches, et cetera, et cetera, but yet he needs clothes from Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So could it be that he's going, my dad didn't hasn't done this yet. I'm going to make this right. I should make this right. My dad should have already brought you these things because that was that was the that was the deal right yes. david actually verified so what you're saying is <laughs> if i go in there i can get this 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 this, this right mm-hmm. so what you're saying is listen let me make sure let me let me ask this question a different way or let me ask somebody else to make sure that you understood and i understood what you understood right that this is the case so the king promised to give what does it say Du-du-du. Verse 25 of chapter 17 mm-hmm. says, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes. So why is this man standing out here? He literally just brought you the head of probably the biggest opposition that you faced in your time as king. Why is he still out here without proper clothes mm-hmm. why is he still out here without the the riches or the start or the beginning of the riches that was promised to him says something yes so even when they start singing and dancing and whatnot i don't it's not necessarily covered here how saul carries out his word his promise but we see jonathan going oh, i'm gonna make this right so I think there's some of that as well. He did love him, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But he also had his own integrity and his own sense about what was right to exactly. do. And especially he had a sense of how a king should behave. Jonathan did. Yes. What was right, how he should carry himself, which is very significant. The father had forgotten, but the son was the one coming along to make sure. Like, oh, it wasn't Dad. the father forgot. He literally tried to 
Well, he departed from right? it. Yes. He, he departed he from it. Tried to pin him against the wall twice. Or, I mean, that's, that's not only am I not going to write that in the natural. Not only did he not give him the riches and and, and we're just what covering was the riches first. I was just touching on that because yep, that's, yep. that's what Jonathan Absolutely. Jonathan so not handle. only did those things not happen, but he literally tried to kill him with a spear. Because if David had long enough to, to slay ten thousands, he's working for a while. This wasn't an overnight thing. Right. Not so necessarily. Been, been yes. spending some time. A few years. Right. So he Who he's knows? he's how whatever time it is. I mean, because it's. You know, you, we've seen God do miracles through people, and they run through, and they mow down, you know, they slay. Tens of thousands in, a, in <laughs> the evening. Or right? just one person yes. is doing a job. You know, someone's hand was stuck to their sword once because they had they mm -hmm. had worked so hard in in battle. It's like you can't do that in the natural, that, that God helped them with that. But if he had time to just start to become mighty in battle beyond this this one instance, they spent some time together. You know, he's, he's been doing some work back and forth. And, and then even it, it verifies that he, wherever he went, he, came, he went in and he came out and he behaved wisely and very wisely. So that, does, that, that verifies he's been working. Why right. didn't he have? Time has elapsed. Yeah. Why, why didn't he have what he needed or what was promised to him, especially in the way of riches, right? We're just talking about that one little instance because that's what Jonathan could cover. He couldn't give away a bride or anything. That's not his. <laughs> it's not his job. So. But there is a scripture that says, "Pay your vows to the Lord." Right? If you make mm -hmm. a, if you give your word on something, let's say make a promise, then follow through with that, even to your own hurt or detriment. Right? Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be truthful and have integrity in all things. Yes, and the Lord says, "Don't don't make promises. Let your yes be yes, exactly. and your no be no, because anything more than that comes from the evil one, the wicked one." So don't don't make promises. Don't swear oaths because you can't, right? Jesus actually literally described that. Said, mm -hmm. "Well, you can't swear by this because it belongs to the Lord. The earth is His footstool. So this don't swear by heaven because it's His throne, and don't swear by the earth because it's His footstool." So, shh. <laughs> and then, and um, the further into the New Testament tells us to let our yes be yes and our no be no, exactly. because anything more than that comes from the wicked one. All right, so let's continue. Uh, read verses 17 through the end of the chapter. Okay, I'll read that. All right. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, who am I, and what is my life or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adrio, the Maholathite, as a wife. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be, against, may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? 
seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this man, in this manner David spoke, excuse me. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore, David arose and went, he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins and gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave Milcal, or Michael, his daughter as a wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, and Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Amen. I, I initially, the first couple verses that we read yep. sounded a whole lot like Jacob and Laban. Yes. I'm going to change right. your wages yeah. 10 times. He had already won a daughter. Why are we changing the bargain? Then they gave the daughter away to someone else. And then, okay, we'll do another favor, and then you'll get this prize. Do one more thing. Do one more thing. So that's instantly the, the very first things as I was reading over it. It's like, oh, Jacob and Laban. There's that. There's other scripture. It says, uh, talks about paying your vows and don't withhold anything, right? Mm -hmm. From anyone that, when it's rightfully due, pay them yeah. immediately. Don't yeah. wait till the, till the morning mm -hmm. if it's don't right. Don't come back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's in your hand to do good. Don't because, withhold good. Because if you're doing that, that's sin. Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm not saying for, for business owners or anything, you have to pay them, you know, every day. That's, that's not, not what's being said there at all. Right, you have agreed upon times. Hey, this is payday, whatever. Right, so keep your word. It's, it's, it's about good. exactly. It's about keeping your word. Mm -hmm. This is what was said, and I, for my part, I'm going to follow through. Right. Yes. And as you follow through with your part, right. So again, David had done the work, was continuing, was doing the work, but he had these Saul constantly dangling a carrot in front of him. Mm -hmm. Just do this one more thing. I'll oh, just do this now. Just there was always one more right. thing before he could get what was already rightfully mm -hmm. supposed to be his. Mm -hmm. So, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. But also, you see, and it was, it was mentioned prior to this section, that Saul resented David. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He wanted all the blessings and the benefits, but didn't want the relationship. <coughs> right? Yes. Didn't actually want the relationship. And actually, even went so far as, as it says here, to try to get him killed. Mm -hmm. Occasions. And well, yes. use his own daughter to do it. Well, the, the hope, the thought of being married to his daughter. But also, uh, I found interesting in verse 23, that David still hadn't received what was rightfully his. He says, I'm, poor and lightly, I'm a mm -hmm. poor and lightly esteemed man. Mm -hmm. Well, you were supposed to have great riches bestowed upon him, right? That was the part of the prize for killing Goliath. Yep. Yes. They still hadn't received. What's your question, Promise? Are you lost about something? 
What were you, you gonna, sure? What, what were you going to say, sir? I was going to say that I found it interesting that David said he was poor and lightly esteemed. Okay. So, Why is that interesting to you, that he was poor and lightly esteemed? That even though Saul was... Even... Even though it seemed like Saul was still trying to give blessed David, but it was really kind of like a trap. Uh-huh. And, like, what, how he was still didn't have the stuff that Saul had promised him, mm-hmm. that it let David, probably let David know that it was a trap to get him killed. Well, maybe. And the Holy Spirit probably revealed that. But yeah. that statement is very interesting for two reasons. Because if you look at what the entire kingdom is saying about David, he was not lightly esteemed. He was highly esteemed. Highly esteemed. The Lord was so unifying people around him. But there's also the other aspect. The other side of that is he recognized where he stood in relation in relationship with Saul. He was easily dismissed. Right? Even though clearly... As, as we can, as we read through, right, it says that David was more behaved more wisely than all the servants, so his name was highly esteemed. Right, that wasn't just like a, a thing that developed after this time. It was how he behaved, how he acted, his input, his assessments into situations. People could take that, I'll say, to the bank, if you will. Yeah. They could carry that out, and it always produced fruit. Why? Because he was listening to the Lord. Yep, absolutely, mm-hmm. wasn't doing it of his own flesh or mindset or his own thought process. He was just listening to the Lord. There's no counsel against the Lord. So yes, it produces good fruit. It's, it's beneficial for our lives. It's a blessing. However, Saul didn't consider that to be wise. So David was easily dismissed by Saul. So it, it, it's twofold. It's understanding his, <clears throat> his place Yes, that the Lord had given him, but also his place as it pertains to individual people and where he stood with them. And it's not that he couldn't stand with them, but it was how they received or rejected wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord coming through him. Does that make sense? Or do you have questions? Or? That makes sense? Okay. What else stood out to anybody in this section of Scripture? Like it stood out to me, the fact that Saul was always like, "I'm going to get David," but he was always giving him more and more stuff. I'm like, explain. Reading it, I'm like, Saul, you idiot. The Lord <laughs> said he's, he's going to give David all your things. He's like, here, here's my daughter. Here, I'm making captain over this. I'm like, you're just giving it away. Well, thinking it, he's going to catch David, but I'm like, you're actually blessing him. Sure. Right. Well, this is what the Lord says. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Mm -hmm. Right. And every tongue that rises up against us in condemnation shall be shown in the wrong. So there's that. And then there's another place that tells us that even the trap, the trap that the enemy sets for us or people set, they They will will fall fall into it themselves. themselves. So there's the promise that we have from the Lord when we walk in communion, fellowship and alignment with him and when our heart is pure towards him and we're willing and ready to do the things that he asked us to do, and we carry them out. Um, yes, he was trying to set a trap for him, but 
that's what God does. He continually causes us to be elevated. David didn't try to elevate himself. God said that he would exalt us in due time, not we exalt ourselves ourselves at every chance we get. That, <laughs> those are not synonymous. They're not interchangeable. It's two different things. So Saul tried to elevate himself, tried to exalt himself, and ended up being brought low. David was okay with being low, trusting in what God said to him, and God elevated and exalted him on every turn. But, and David was committed to doing the things of God. He was committed to be consistently wise. He was committed to taking the time to hear from the Lord and act in a way that was pleasing to God. Because if you try to please people, you're going to have a moving standard, changing every day, all the time, all the time. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're cold. But when you commit to walking in excellence before God, who sees all, right, yes. then you will be constant and consistent. Because mm -hmm. this was David out in the field with a few sheep. Consistent. Consistently endeavoring to serve the Lord, endeavoring to make God proud of him, if you will, air quotes. But pleased with him to go, that's my son. That, that's my guy right there. That's the man after my own heart. Even when he's a young boy and developing. And he cultivated that. He walked closer with the Lord and he kept to him. He's learning in this process. This whole time, yes, God already anointed him and said, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going down for you, my friend. Because you love me and I honor those who honor me. We saw that all the way back with Eli, right? Yes. Um, that was the word of the Lord that Samuel brought. God will honor those that honor him. So clearly, if we see David being honored by God, then clearly David had must have honored the Lord in the secret things because we see that in the New Testament, right? Jesus says, when my father who sees in secret will reward you openly, right? Do you guys remember that when he's talking about praying and whatnot? Go into your closet and pray. Don't stand out here making a big ruckus. I'm paraphrasing. But yes. go in secretly, and my Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Absolutely. So you see this happening here. David, in his private time, when nobody else is watching, when nothing's on the line, when it's just his everyday basic stuff is honoring God, and God is returning that. So there, it doesn't happen automatic. Just because God gave him a word and said, this is, this is what I'm going to do for you, what I have for you, didn't mean David was without responsibility that David could just cast off restraint and be like, woohoo, I'm going to do what I want. I made it. King, you know, throw the mic down. He could not do that. He still had to walk the way God asked him to because Amen. you can see the difference. Saul kind of took that route. King, I can do what I want. And then it was like, whoa, no, 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 <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I'll be taking that kingdom. Thank you. And, you know, he lost what God blessed him with, God intended for that to be a gift to him. He, he intended for him to have an heir continually yes. and his lineage to continue in, in kingship. But Saul did not take that to heart. He did not take advantage of the opportunity in the right way, but he instead tried to do it in his flesh and exalt himself and ended up failing. But here David is cultivating that lifestyle of constance continuing in excellence, continuing to strive after the things of God and being pleasing to the Lord himself. Because when our ways are pleasing to God, he'll cause even our enemies to be at peace with us. How much more so people that are on our side, if you will, people that don't find fault with us or have not positioned themselves as enemies. So when we do what God asks us to do, he'll make the situations 
right, even if they hate your guts, he'll cause them to be at peace with you. So David is clearly doing those, those things here. Uh-huh. I liked in verse 25, the dowry was 100 foreskins of the Philistines. David yes. brought them twice as much. David said, oh, I see what time it is. <laughs> Here's the wisdom of God. You keep changing my wage. David clearly recognized that, and the Spirit of the Lord said, oh, okay, let me give you wise counsel. And he brought him 200 and counted them out. <laughs> but he In count. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that means he went one, Ew. slapped it down, two, slapped it down, three, <laughs> slapped it down, all the way to 200. <laughs> Can you imagine his eyes blinking like <laughs> Saul was just sitting on his throne while they're slapping all this? meat off of people's bodies. Um, I know promise it's okay. We'll, we'll talk about that later. You <laughs> <laughs> can't see his face, but he's got this puzzled look, Promises 11. And um, he's just kind of like, what's going on here? So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But this, this prize, the payment, which is, it's gruesome. So we'll talk about a little bit. Circumcision is something that males experience. When they're young, it's a part of the covenant, especially for the children of Israel. We still practice it in America, American culture. Mm-hmm. We still use circumcision. It's moving an extra skin that's found around the male's penis. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's just what it is, sweetie. It's just what it is. Um, so it's removed to facilitate cleanliness and actually reproduction. It helps when they need to have children later on. So um, this is what God said to Abraham when he made his covenant. He asked him to circumcise himself, remove this extra skin. Mm -hmm. And we in the New Testament are told to have a circumcised heart. Yes. Take away the extra skin that inhibits you from receiving from the Lord and having God's promises and believing God. So take away everything that does not reflect the Lord, everything that's a hindrance to you so that you see God plainly and you serve him freely and openly and with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So he brought that skin. So for, and for them, this is a covenant thing. So they, they all understand what the foreskin is. And, um, it was odd for Saul to ask for it, but they all knew what it was because they all, as being a part of the covenant, were circumcised when they were like eight days old, when they were on eight days. And if they weren't circumcised, they were put out from the children of Israel. They, they weren't even a part of the family. That was what the law that Moses gave them when they came out of um, Egypt. Egypt. Right. But this was started with God making covenant with Abraham. Abraham couldn't have children. God said, well, let me help you get this thing out of the way that it's, this is part of the problem. Move this, take the skin off and end the process. Trust me, I got it. I got you. (laughs) I'm going to lead you in the right way. And trust me with your heart. So open your heart to the Lord. So he brought him double and counted it out for him. I thought that was was pretty good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. But then also with that, it should come as no surprise that in verse uh, 30, the princes of the Philistines went out to war. Right? Mm -hmm. So earlier on in the chapter... It says, the Lord's Philistines? Hold on, we'll get there. Earlier on in this chapter, it says that David was returning home from the slaughter of the Philistines. That means Goliath. 
Which which first? Oh, let me get back there. Mm-hmm. Yes, in verse six. Okay. So this was still from that initial. Initially, started with that battle, right? And yes, as a result, you know, there was warfare against not just that one, all the rest of them, right? Mm-hmm. All the rest of the Philistines. Yeah. But Saul clearly wasn't over that. So his actions brought about warfare. Instead of, okay, we've slaughtered, we defeat the enemy, we've taken back our, our land or all the things that the enemy was taking from them, right? And setting up camp and then expanding that or attempting to, right? They, they defeated that. But now Saul's actions in an attempt to bring about the death of David put his entire nation, or I should say the nation of Israel, in a state of perpetual warfare. Yes. So in attempting to eliminate one individual, you have now created a state of warfare for the entire nation. We should be aware of this in our own lives, right? What's the cost? Now, if we seek the Lord, right? Because initially he says, they only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles, right? But Saul wasn't actually, didn't want, or I should say, didn't want David to fight the Lord's battles. He wanted to fight Saul's battles. Yes. One of the blessings and the benefits, and especially against the Philistines. So, again, here you see Saul unwilling to, uh, I'll say, to forgive and to move forward, right? In life and all those things whether it's against David and or the Philistines. So he's using one enemy to attack another, but then still wants his enemy as in David to now defeat and defend the other enemy. And now, yes, the Lord brought all that to pass, right? We see that, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, and his name became highly esteemed. Well, that's happening through warfare, which is also the position that Saul had put David in. Yes. So... But it's also, we should recognize this ourselves, we are in a, I'll say, a, a state of constant warfare. Not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. right? But powers and principalities and powers of darkness. and mm-hmm. right? We should be aware of where we're at. Mm-hmm. So we should always be ready to fight the Lord's battles. Not that he needs us to fight them, but the Lord fights so our battles. To do what he's called, exactly. be prepared. Um, to enforce what God, the territory, the possession that God has already given you. Like, be, be ready. Um, how do you do that? How do, how, you? how do you keep yourself ever ready to address something, like when the enemy pops up and, or a challenge is presented to you, whether it's um, a spiritual, it is purely held out and you can understand it's just spiritual or it's a natural person that's uh, coming towards you, but it's still spiritual underneath it. How do you address either one of those? How do you stay ready? I'm asking whomever. Because to say stay ready and not know how to stay ready is like... Takes away from the whole staying ready. Yeah, half-filled. What Dad told us, and I believe you guys did it in a previous teaching on your on being, that you keep your armor on. Always keep it on. You never take it off. Okay. How do you do that? Yes, how? 
Because you can't see my spiritual armor. No, you equip yourself by meditation, prayer, and also reading the Word. Meditation on what? The things the in, said in the Word. Okay, well, somebody going, what do you say? Lama, lama, lama. You're meditating, or what, right? are you meditating on your new hairstyle or are you no. reliving, you know, reliving a, an event in your mind? That's meditation, but it's unfruitful. No. Didn't produce good fruit. So what are we meditating it's on? It's not going to help you what defend you or stand against the enemy. The promises he's given you and how, what he said. In Philippians 4, 8, says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are fair, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Aha. Go ahead, girl. Amen. Amen. Okay. So... Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, spending your time with the Lord, and mm -hmm. meditating on him. David did that. Amen. He had a habit of that. Because interactions, like fighting, that's not the time when you get prepared to fight. When the battle is upon you, that is not the time to go, hey, you know, I should learn how to use this sword. <laughs> it's too late. Right, and David already he told them that, and when he was facing Goliath, he's like, "I'm I'm not familiar with these things. I haven't tested. I haven't practiced with them. And that's what he meant by tested them. I haven't practiced. I haven't developed my skill with them. I can't use that. It's too late. I'm gonna take what I'm practiced with. I'm gonna get my rocks, my little stones out of the thing. I'm gonna take my slingshot, and I'm gonna trust the Lord. Right? Yes. That's what he knew how to do. But he also knew how to listen to the Lord. He cultivated and cultivates his own time. Wisdom, he practiced that with the Lord. And the, the more the Lord told him, the more he listened. The more he listened, the more he obeyed. The more he obeyed, the more the manifestation came. So that's how you stay ready is you stay connected and close to the Lord. You keep your eyeballs, just like he told um, Joshua, keep the word before your eyes. Keep it in your heart. Meditate on it. Think on it Damn as you're going man. about your day. Don't put it down. Don't go, meh, I'm good. Ooh, I read that Bible um, Sunday or yesterday or you know a Lord, month ago. Lord, it's been a month since I talked to you. Today, you still there? You know, no, no, no. You should be continually hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit ministering to you, and you should be ministering to Him, talking to Him. Lord, hi, I love you. Hi, <laughs> you know, He's He loves you, and He's always with you. So that's how you stay ready. Not when. You're, you're in a, a fight for your, your health or your life or, you know, there's high things at stake. Now you want to pull the Bible out like, well, you're late and you're going to struggle. Doesn't mean you, you're going to fail necessarily, but it's going to be much harder. Curve. Yeah, it's going to be a much harder go versus somebody who's already. Who's being diligent. Right? That's right. Uh, Second Peter says it this way. All right. Second Peter 1, uh, we'll start in verse 3. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your virtue, 
to your faith virtue, mm -hmm. to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, mm -hmm. to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Mm -hmm. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To cultivate, you have Amen. to grow, you have to continue, you have to self assess. You're not going, everything's all right. Oh, I'm good. A little no. bit of sin here, a little bit. I'm, I'm good. No, self assess, judge yourself, and, lest you be judged. Yes. And by that, it also comes through the Holy Spirit, which brings about conviction. All right, as soon as we do something, we're like, that's, yeah, that's not in line with the Lord or mm -hmm. His nature, His character. So then, don't just cast it aside, but deal with it deal with those mm -hmm. things in our lives that that don't reflect the lord in us mm -hmm. right and and by that i mean don't beat yourself down on it bring it before the lord out of humility and submission right with clearly in your heart repent bring it to the lord he will forgive be ready to change amen to what he asked you to be not fitting the world's nonsensical non they're irrelevant. The world and their opinion of you is irre irrelevant. Their, their judgment of who you should be and all that, it matters not. But what does the King Most High say about you? What does God Almighty, your Creator, think about you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What does the Lord Jesus expect from you? Are you measuring up to the, the stature of the man, Jesus Christ? Are you looking like Him? If not, where? Why? How? How did this happen? And then correct it. Don't just sit there and keep looking at it and keep sinking lower and lower and lower. No, come on up. And then when, exactly. when you come up to that ground zero, build. And the Holy Spirit helps you, but it has to be your choice. He doesn't force you to develop character. Mm -hmm. He doesn't force you to develop wisdom. He doesn't force you to develop and manifest the fruits of the Spirit. You have to cultivate it. He's already provided it for you. And he said anybody that comes to him, right, he's not going to cast you out. He's already said that whoever, all that the Father gives him will come to him, right? It belongs to him. And whoever comes to him, he'll by no means cast them out. So he's not going to refuse you. He gives to all liberally, right? Yes. yes. So trust him, but you do your part. You cultivate it on the inside of you. You develop the character that we just, was that Second Peter, honey? Second Peter, yes. Second Peter, that's a you add to it, not God's going to add it to you. Yes. Without your effort. It doesn't mean add to it, because you can't do it in the flesh. But that means in and through the power of the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, your desire to be pleasing to him. Okay, so how can you work that out? Whatever you see in the... First of all, you have to agree that God is right. Mm -hmm. And if there comes to be a question about between you and the Lord, or God and some other person, who's right or who's wrong, God is right. The Lord. You always. have to settle that, hands down. It doesn't matter what they try to convince you with. Or you try to convince yourself because you can justify anything and it's plain on out wrong. So if it comes to a matter between you and the Lord, whose opinion is right or wrong? God is right. Okay? So that means <laughs> if you don't align with that, that means you are wrong. Okay? And if you find yourself in a wrong position, don't sulk about it. You know, account it for what it is. God, I'm sorry. Even if that's all you knew at the time, he understands that. God, I'm sorry. And repent. Ask him to forgive you and you forgive others. Now, find out what his word says about it. Holy Spirit, teach me. Right? 
I welcome him in, give him an invitation, teach me how to do this. I want to do it. And then when the opportunity comes, every time, be consistent. Do it. Do what the word says. Do what the word says. Do what the word says. Begin to restrain yourself. Control yourself, your emotions. Buffet your flesh. It should not be screaming in your ears so loud that you can't hear what God's saying. It should not be driving your decisions. It should be under, it should be subdued. And under your feet, your spirit man should be guiding because your spirit loves God. Your spirit is always in line with him. The soul and the flesh have issues. Those need to be work out your soul salvation, right? Work out your own soul, your own soul salvation, not your neighbor's, but your own, right? And buffet your flesh, okay? And allow the spirit man to become the, the most thing, the one that wants to go where God wants to go, right? Yes. And if that means you have to, Make your flesh be a little hungry for a moment to teach it. Oh, we're going to do the things of God or, or you're going to be hungry. Then it goes, oh, okay. Your flesh can be trained. It will learn. And your soul can be what? Renewed. Your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions mm -hmm. dwell. Right? So they can yes. be renewed. That means reform them. Put in the word. So that's what it has to draw on. Educate your soul, if you will with the word, yes. study the word. And that's what begins to fill you up. So that way, when there's a decision to be made, your soul's like, oh, this is what I know, okay? We are a three-part being, right? Spirit, soul, and we live in a body. We are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, okay? Body's not first, mind is not first. Absolutely Spirit not. is first, okay? Yes. And keep working that process. Pay attention to God speaking to you and do what he says, because that will make his voice clearer and more prominent in you. The peace of God, follow it. Let it be an umpire. Mm -hmm. If it's going, you have this little cringy feeling about doing something, then that's not it. When you have peace about the situation, go do that and go, Holy Spirit, thank you for helping me. Continue to teach me. Give all glory to God. Okay. So those are some points that you can use to get started and you keep working that process. Absolutely. What's it close out in prayer? Come on, promise. Thank you, handsome man. God, I thank you for just providing a way for us to get what you have already promised us and just providing a way for everything and making our enemies at peace with us. Mm -hmm. And God, I also thank you for, even though it doesn't seem like we're rich, that we're actually rich on the inside. In the name of Jesus, amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We love you. God bless you. God Have bless a you. Day. Have a great Bye. day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
So until next time, take care and God bless you.